The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Um, and uh, the first <clears throat> is to spend a little time here looking at the what makes sympathetic joy, appreciative joy, joy uh, challenging. And the, and the second part would be to do a little bit of, um, end with this little guided meditation on the uh, meditation on sympathetic joy, the way it's done. So you get a little introduction to it today. And um, so, as many of you know, uh, Buddhism uh, is not supposed to be just kind of a Pollyannish sugarcoating everything and think everything is wonderful and dandy and a hugely important part of Buddhist practice is to look very honestly and directly what's really going on in our lives, including our sufferings, including the, <coughs> the, the challenging ways our minds, our hearts work, and to really kind of probe into it deeply, to understand it deeply, uh, not to uh, paper over it or ignore it. But not in order to dwell in the negative, but in order to rectify, to clarify, to dissolve it, to work through it, to to the other side. Uh, and uh, so one of the ways, like an ideal such as sympathetic joy, is uh, rather than going for directly, is perhaps almost assuming that uh, it's a, almost like a natural state if we're relaxed enough. And so that one of the tasks is to learn what has to relax, what has to let go of, what gets in the way of that natural state to be there. Um, it's like, uh, you know, if you um, have an open hand, you can maybe feel the breeze against the palm of your hand. But if most of your time your, your hand is clenched, you're not going to feel, feel the cool breeze against your hand. And so the task then is to figure out how to open your hand so you can feel it. If you open it, then you'll feel the cool breeze when it's cool, or the warm breeze when it's warm. Who knows what kind of breeze you're going to experience. So if you can release some of the blockages to sympathetic joy, then uh, maybe it's not sympathetic joy you'll end up experiencing, but maybe something else that's appropriate. Maybe it's compassion, maybe it's loving kindness, something different. So to have some look at the obstacles, I think, is uh, part of the realistic assessment and approach to the, these, the appreciative joy. And so the tradition gives, um, uh, mentions two primary kind of obstacles, and they use the language of the enemies. And each of the Brahma Viharas has, has enemies. So what's called the near enemy and the far enemy. The near enemy is that which um, is really destroys the, something. It really doesn't really allow for it, but it looks very much like it, and so it's confused for it. And um, so, for example, a near enemy of loving kindness is um, 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 is uh, is um, a certain kind of clinging affection. So, you know, love, loving someone, being loving, kind, loving for someone is one thing, but it can be confused for kind of as a kind of a, a, a appreciation of someone, a love of someone that has clinging as part of it. So, clinging. Um, so, the near enemy for um, sympathetic joy is, um, um, said, it's a giddiness. <laughs> Or, or being frivolous. So uh, it happens when people do the practice of loving kindness, 
they get really into it. After a while, they get kind of, some people get kind of giddy. And they feel, they feel kind of like silly and delightful, isn't this great? And, and that silly giddiness is, looks like it's sympathetic joy, like you're sharing in the joy of someone else, but it's really gone off into some other direction. And uh, so people confuse it for the sympathetic joy. Um, the, the far enemy uh, is that which is, uh, no, no way could someone confuse the quality with the far enemy. But the far enemy is really something that destroys, clearly destroys, makes it impossible to have the quality you're looking at. And so the far enemy for sympathetic joy is, um, is said to be envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy. And you could maybe add to that, uh, we could maybe add to that some other things. Um, so I was thinking that perhaps competitiveness uh, gets in the way. What are some other things that get in the way of sympathetic joy? Greed. Judgments. Resentment. Comparing. It's already a good list. I never... It comes to mind, I've told the story sometimes before, is um, I was in Burma practicing at the meditation monastery there and there was, a, I don't know how many Westerners there were practicing there, somewhere between half a dozen and a dozen men and women. And the men were in one compound, women were in a different compound. And uh, some of the, a lot of them knew each other, good percentage knew each other from being in America. They kind of more or less came together or kind of in the same circles. And um, somehow it, we got wind or learned that there was a woman who had, um, meditation practice had gone really, really well. And uh, so she was really deep in meditation, it opened up in some really profound, transformative way. It was really meaningful for her, very meaningful. And um, the word got, came back to the men's compound. And uh, we hardly ever talked to each other. There was no talking, but there was, I guess there was enough for this to happen. And um, this, this guy who was, you know, a few rooms down from me, knew this woman from here in America. And his response to hearing that she had gone really deep in meditation, had this wonderful experience, was, no way. <laughs> no way. I knew her back in Berkeley and this... <laughs> You know, and that couldn't, you know, got to happen, you know. And, and he went, I think he was filled with, with maybe jealousy, envy, resentment, certainly comparison, judgments. And also he was using his past. Maybe she was a, had a difficult personality in Berkeley. And so he was holding that against her. So kind of holding to the past and not letting the, the, the present open up in new ways. So this is kind of the kind of the envy and jealousy are the classic ones, and um, so I was wondering if, uh, if someone uh, would be brave, especially you know it could be anyone, but someone who has uh, who maybe could enjoy getting into this, would be willing to uh, demonstrate to us uh, the uh, not that you have this, but you know as an actor or actress. Um, the uh, the voice of jealousy. What is you know if jealousy was going to speak and hear and just show, 
show himself herself. So there in the back corner, we have someone who's going to demonstrate jealousy for us. Just in general, or hmm? just in general, like any situation? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I have a little bit to do this appreciative joy. So, like when someone else has something really yeah. good going for them, they always get that good stuff. There, it, things come so easily for her. Um, oh, that just happened because she's married to some so and so. Or um, what else? Oh gosh! Now, now that this happened, she's going to get this and this and this and this. <laughs> I'm never going to catch up. <laughs> what else? It's not fair. She was born with that. Um, you know, she was. She's. She never had the problem I had with that. So it's like an unfair advantage. <laughs> Most of the ones that come to mind. Great. Thank you very much. So that was jealousy, right? So who would like to do envy? What's the difference? I don't know. What is the difference? Envy, I think you want what the other person has. Jealousy is your... I know envy. Let's see. Envy is, I would make so much better use of that if I had it. Um, And... Oh, my mind just went blank. But now, now I'm not clear on the difference between jealousy and envy. But envy uh, usually means you want what they have. Jealousy means you're upset that they have it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I guess I was heading in that direction originally. That that uh, if I had that, I would make really good use of it. I deserve that. I've worked really hard. Uh, Uh, yeah, that's all I can come up with right now. I don't know if it's a strict uh, separation. We should look in the dictionary. But the jealousy <laughs> is uh, is envy. I think <clears throat> has more to do with wanting what they have. Jealousy has more to do with being kind of upset that they have it. That's what I think. We can look it up in a dictionary if they'd like. I should have before I came today. <laughs> What other so yes? So self doubt and comparing mind can also be an obstacle to sympathetic joy. So would someone like to demonstrate <clears throat> comparing mind and doubt and how that op- how that operates? I can since I asked. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Wow, that's really great. I wonder what it feels like that, to have that. I'm probably never going to have that. Um, 
Yeah, she's just she's such a great person. She's so lucky. Like, but you know, I don't. I wonder if that's ever gonna. You know, now. Gosh, I really I hate that these opportunities never come for me. It so goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on and on, huh? <laughs> so what other obstacles are there? We mentioned resentment. You want to tell us about resentment? <laughs> He never helps with the housework. (laughs) Leaves his dishes all over the place. And I clean up. I don't get any gratitude, except if he does the slightest little thing, then he's, he's waiting for me to appreciate what he does. But, you know, he does like a thimble full of what I do, and I get no thanks whatsoever. (laughs) <laughs> so what other things can get in the way of appreciative joy? Yes? Along those same lines, if you don't feel appreciated, it's really hard to appreciate other people. Mm, so if you don't feel appreciated, so how is that? What are those? You don't appreciate yourself? No, but by the... Oh, if you're not appreciated by them, yeah, then it's hard. Yeah, it's true. So it has to be, it helps if there's some kind of balance. But, um, but uh, one of the beautiful things also is the ability to appreciate people who don't even know you. Strangers. They have to feel joy in their joy. The practice of uh, sympathetic joy begins with where it's really easy to have... Uh, sympathetic joy for someone, you get into it, and then you try to expand your capacity so you have that same joy for people who you don't know, who you, you experience, you see what they do, and you read about them in the paper, or your neighbor's neighbor or something, and, and uh, so that you, it becomes, you spread the circle beyond the people in your close circle. So eventually you want to go beyond the people who appreciate you, because they don't know you. But if they know you, it's true. I think it's hard to appreciate them if they don't appreciate you. <clears throat> I think respect is a part of the currency here, part of what's needed. Yes? That's right, back. Well, I was just thinking, um, somebody might be enjoying something that I don't like or that I think is not a good thing, like, he's laughing at that comedian? Or, um, that person's already got, that family's already got 19 kids. What do they need a 20th for? So it sounds like resentment. That's what's coming through? Um... Well, it might be resentment, but I, I'm I'm trying to get more at a person valuing something that I don't value, mm. and enjoying that, whatever it might be. But you're but you're you're in in that kind of voice. The inability to share their joy is because of being incredulous or being critical of their choice. Or Maybe, yeah. So there's a kind of criticalness. In it might be critical, or it just might be bewilderment. <laughs> in the case of like 
somebody enjoying something that aesthetically I don't appreciate at all. Uh-huh. Yeah. It might be, you know, them playing, you know, I was thinking of playing music that I just, I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> so, so preferences come into play. And preferences also has, you know, so we have, we, we have our preferences and when people have different preferences that bring them joy, we, it's hard for us to get, get kind of, you know, into, you know, to get the empathy going because, you know, if we get too close to empathy, you know, we, we're not going to like it. You know, we don't feel like, I don't like olives, for example, right? And so if someone tells me, I just feel great joy whenever they serve olives. <laughs> you know, it's a little hard for me to imagine. And that's a good example. <laughs> okay. Um, I just wanted to say, because we're on the topic of not um, what gets in our way, and I noticed for me, it's associated, so when I'm physically not feeling well, um, I noticed that when I heard my sister was running a marathon, but at that same time I was having a lot of physical challenges, the gap was so big I couldn't have any sympathetic joy. Yeah, so when we're, when we're, 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 we're somehow off, or we're sick, or going through some personal challenge and struggle, it's... It's, you know, it's hard to open up enough and take in someone else's joy and appreciate it because we're way down. Yeah. Some, yes. Something on, sort of related to that that I've experienced is if, if I've, if, at least in my perception, I've been very helpful to someone in a lot of ways and then they have a certain kind of success, which is the same sort of success or experience that I'm striving for, and there's almost a feeling of um, not being appreciated or honored for the help and also like a, a perception of scarcity. Mm. Like, well, they have it and I don't. There's not believing there's enough to go around combined with having helped and not been appreciated. appreciated. Yeah. So something about scarcity. Uh-huh. Good, that's a good one. Thank you. So, so one more here, a couple more in the back. I saw their hands in the back. John. I was just going to say that when you're, when you're, when I or you, you are very self-involved, um, then it's hard to be experiencing sympathetic joy, sympathetic joy for somebody else. You're self-involved, you're in this cocoon, or this the way I was it came to me was sort of we were raised with this really, this really unhelpful thing that our family was better than everybody else, and so this idea we're better than everybody else then sort of separates you from others. And then it's, I started contemplating, yeah, when, when people are so obsessed with themselves and what their own experience is and how they're doing or I'm so great or whatever, then you're not paying attention to anybody else. And so you can't appreciate good things happening for somebody else. Great. Thank you. Remain? Mine was quite similar. Um, it's when I'm the center of the universe. You know, I may not be the center of your universe, but I'm certainly the center of my universe. And when I am, I don't even notice what's going on with other people. Okay. So maybe, maybe one of those people, is, this, is, this is a popular topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the competitiveness, yeah. um, which is an enemy of joy, so it's mainly 
like if I wanted, if I was competing uh, and someone else gets what I specifically put my energy into, then um, that is just really hard. I haven't really, I can't think of an example where I've actually been able to come around. That one has really bugged me. So if you do a race, you know, do the marathon, and uh, you know you're really into it, but you come in second, mm-hmm. can you share in the joy of the person that came in first? It's totally hard for me. Totally hard. <laughs> so, go ahead. Two things. Um, one is when a- other people try to be competitive or pull something out, you know, like, why are you, why are you still single? They'll say that to me. And, and then I'll just get all into my jealousy mode. Like, you know, you've got the kids, you've got the family. But in, until that happened, I was okay. So it can be poked at by other people. Um, but I also had an epiphany when I was reading Loving Kindness, and somebody just mentioned the issue of scarcity. And, and um, Sharon talks about how there's no dearth of joy, but we feel like there's a dearth of joy and we're kind of hoarded and we try to keep to ourselves. And this was a huge um, thing for me to learn, to realize that, no, there's, it's like limitless and I can have joy and everybody else can have joy and um, there's plenty it, of it to go around. Exactly. So this comes directly into play with this uh, practice of, of uh, mudita, appreciative joy, and also anamudana, the other practice I talked about, of rejoicing is that um, it, it's a way of actually increasing the amount of joy in the world. Because it's, uh, someone has joy, and then you allow yourself to feel joy because of it. And so now there's twice as much joy. And rejoicing, and again, classically in Buddhism, there's a rejoicing practice. We rejoice in other people's success and well-being and joy. <clears throat> um, more, it does more than just double it. It creates kind of this uh, feedback loop somehow with something where the joy just increases, increases. So rather than being scarcity, it becomes an abundance. So what? Um, I think one thing that I've noticed can get in the way of uh, feeling appreciation, joy, celebrating with another person is not being in the habit of doing that even with myself. Like, mm. not either not valuing accomplishments or maybe not feeling like I wanted to celebrate them, that they were just things that could be expected that one ought to do or our duty. Um, you know, things like graduating from college or serving a meal, yes. you know. So it's... Yeah, so, so not having the capacity to appreciate oneself and have that joy for oneself, it's harder to do it with others. Good. So I'd like to just kind of change gears. And get set set the stage, hopefully, for what happens next. <clears throat> so the next is uh, I'd like you to do another uh, paired exercise. And um, so you know you don't have to do it if you feel like this is too something. Uh, you can just uh, you'd like to share. Is there one mic there on the floor? Where's the, where's the second mic? Okay. Both of us dreaded doing this. In fact, I got Philip as she was exiting the room and pulled her back. 
she agreed to. <laughs> <laughs> but both of us really uh, felt it was a very helpful exercise, and we all had the same stuff. I mean, we both had virtually the same stuff, and I'm assuming that many people did. It was helpful because it was good to see what came up? Well, it's just good to get it out because these are things you don't talk about <laughs> usually. So it was kind of a catharsis, I would say. Thank you. No, go ahead. Yes. I've never talked about these things in my whole life. <laughs> so this is, um, wow, to talk about it all at one time is kind of, yeah, cathartic to get it all out. <laughs> and also kind of stress, anxiety provoking. I was really relaxed before. Now I'm, I'm like, oh, when's the next meditation? <laughs> um, but, but really good. And great to have the opportunity to talk about it. Thank you. Behind you there on your right. I was just going to say that it's interesting because I move, I think when I get to a certain level, maybe midway through the exercise, and this tends to happen, but there's like a feeling of sadness when I begin to see what's really true. But then somewhere towards the end, um, I think the more that I see is true, the more liberating that it actually feels, which is always sort of powerful for doing this exercise. I always tend to forget that that can happen. Beautiful. That's the hope. Yes, please. Um, Thank you. Um, As we did the exercise, I mean, once we did the exercise, I I understood that it was brainstorming. I mean, to keep the repetitiveness of the exercise because brainstorming, the first things you get out are the fluff, the, the, the ones, and then the further you get down, the more creative you become. Right. And what was happening to me was the first thing that popped out of my head was envy, that somebody has something I don't have that I want. But as I progressed through, I went down into deeper levels to things like judge being judgmental and um and getting more to the real blockers mm. of what was what keeps me from um, um appreciative joy yes. um so yeah i thank you for the exercise and understand how that same question took you deeper and deeper mm. into what was more real more more yeah thank you yes so this is um this was said by several people but um all day from the from the very beginning i found that all of these exercises very difficult much more difficult than is usually the case i'm not sure why but it's it's notable to me <clears throat> um and then the second thing I noticed is that um, as we were doing this, um, I've been thinking in terms of, I don't know how, exactly how to describe it, um, um, uh, rewards, uh, whether they be um, material things or promotions or whatever. And, and, and um, But at the very end, I started to realize there are qualities that people have um, that I'm not competing for. I just don't like to see it in other people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And, and sometimes they're qualities that I don't even particularly want to have. Just don't want anybody else to have them either. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You sneaky monk. <laughs> One of the things, this might be obvious to the psychologist. I, I, it just, a bell went off. Ding! Um, and it might be obvious to everybody but me. I don't know. Um, one of the things we're doing when we do these exercises to boost people's confidences is that we're, we're, we're developing that gatekeeper. You know, by sharing this information with other people, we're, we're actually... The, that thing where we drive a car automatically without thinking, that's the part of the mind we're developing. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Thank you, Ted. Yes. Um, I guess I'm in real appreciative of the exercise because I'm having, I'm really appreciating it because it's actually confirming the work of the Dharma that I've been doing through the years and seeing what's changed and where I'm not in the places that I used to be and. And so doing these exercises for me is like, I almost feel like crying at times, my eye, because I'm so in appreciate and joy, and that that's come through the Dharma and come through you, and I'm sitting here, it's like, wow, Gil, my teacher, how much appreciation more can I have for him sharing the Dharma and what the Dharma has given me all these years to see where I'm not so stuck anymore, and that what I can now offer to others because I'm not so stuck anymore. And I don't even have words for that. And so this has just been beautiful for me to do these exercises and have this day. So thank you. Thank you. I, I, is it on? Sure, I've done this exercise once or twice before. I still have mixed feelings about it because of the somewhat artificiality of just repeating the question, you know, and sometimes that feels like an automaton kind of thing, right? And I know it's nice to just get a thank you without anything else, but, you know, it's like I'm used to the sort of dialogue thing of talking with a friend and like, you know, hey, let me tell you how I'm feeling. And then he did this and she did that. And I know there's the whole story thing and don't get caught up in the story, but with friends in a dialogue, I feel like sometimes I can go deeper and I really feel like I get it all out at some point that, ah, finally, I've told the whole story and you get it and you've given me some feedback uh, you've said something to me, so I know that you, you get it, and that triggers something else in me, and we have this conversation, and then it's over, like, okay, we've discussed that, thanks. Ha, ah, I feel better. And with this, it's different, right? Yeah. So I'm not sure how to, I'm not sure what it is uh, I can get out of this or, or how to get it out of it. So, you know, it was interesting to try. It's always interesting to meet somebody new, and then, you know, uh, so you're not getting the feedback part. You're just getting thank you, and... And then you're wondering, because it's a new person, and because of the, they're just doing the automaton role, how much do you put back? And so sometimes, you know, so I try to just, like, go really deep and think through the whole story. And, oh, yeah, and it's, you know, him, and when he does that, and da 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 and then come back with greed. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? And so, you know, and, but it was very, well, I'll just say that. Thanks. Okay. So, yeah, so, but, you know, my, my, my thought listening to you is maybe next time we should do it longer for you. Thank <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, the exercise gave me a real appreciation of the universality of our dilemma. That, you know, I felt that, that what we shared was we, we all have so much in common in what keeps us from appreciative joy. Yes. So, uh, two, two more. Maybe Gail can be last. Go ahead. I'll respond to the gentleman there's because uh, I was doing it the way you would have liked to have done it. <laughs> and. <laughs> And then um, Gil came by and corrected me. And, uh, <laughs> and actually, it's a very Zen-like uh, practice. And because he's helping us to do what the Zen practice is, what you do internally, so it's, it's how we internalize the discipline, as it were, to get at the, the core. To, it's, a, it's a catabolic mm-hmm. method, so to speak. And so you're, I would say, he, Gil gives us with our exercises and discussions, gives us that forum to do that. But this particular exercise is meant to go strip away the stuff. So I just want to offer my appreciation for your coming by. And like, I felt like the Zen Roshi hits you with a stick. <laughs> and I'm gifted by your... Uh, well, I, didn't, I didn't hit any stick. All I, did was give, all, all I came over and I said... The way this exercise has been des- was designed <laughs> it was designed to only do the repeating question <laughs> and that's the stick huh? <laughs> I actually the question you said do you want to do this as it was designed right, so you, you didn't you, even come oh, did you, want, did you, 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 you asked the question <laughs> <laughs> so, so Gail last one um, or, yeah um, I, I was um uh, definitely appreciating the repeated questions because I came upon several things that, well, um, they they sort of surprised me. Um, one of them was uh, not caring enough or respecting myself enough or something to just be in touch with what I am feeling in the moment. And so there's just kind of a zoning zoning out and. Um, I liked coming in touch with that one. And then uh, the other one uh, that I'm remembering right now is, is uh, when I feel I should feel appreciative joy. When that thought... Oh, that gets in the way. Gets in the way. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, Don't use this to, today as yeah. a reason to oppress yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I figured that might be a good one for, for, for someone else, too. Um, and you know when that comes up, it is kind of tricky because, well, the, you know, hopefully I can just see, oh, there's that thought, and uh, I can just let it roll off and and just tune in to what is going on, not necessarily anything in particular. Right, that's the path. Yeah. that's the primary path of mindfulness. Yeah, what is going on? Good. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So thank you very much for doing this. I hope it was useful for most of you or all of you. Um, and um, but maybe it's a question that can keep working on you. You know, so you can maybe as you continue the day or this weekend, uh, uh, bring up the question over and over again and see if something new what, what comes up and what happens as you practice with a question. 
So let's take a break, and then we'll come back. Uh, probably need 15 minutes for a break, so we'll come back at 5 after 3 for the last 25 minutes, and then we'll come back and do a, a little guided meditation on the, kind of the classic meditation on sympathetic joy. Looks like there's people still waiting for the bathroom, so let's uh, wait for the meditation until they join us. But in the meantime, uh, do you have any questions? Yes? Last time you talked about the four Brahmadaharas and what it was a response to or something like that. Like, I can't remember what they were. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, so it's a loving kindness. In, in the Theravada tradition, the general approach is that loving kindness is the, the fundamental one and um, and that's um, a basic warmth and goodwill that wants the best for people and that basic warmth and goodwill when it encounters someone who's suffering uh, will morph itself into compassion when it encounters someone who is um, uh, happy or successful or accomplishing something or having a good time in a healthy way, then um, that basic goodwill transforms itself into sympathetic joy. And, uh, and the, the intention of sympathetic joy is that, or the wish, is that may this good, good experience, may this goodness, may this happiness, may this success um, continue for the person. And then if you encounter someone for whom uh, there's some difficulty that they're having, but it doesn't really make sense to have compassion because we can't do anything for them. We can't really intervene or it's kind of outside of our... Sometimes what's uh, uh, the emotion that's best called for is equanimity. You're still caring, but, the, but the, we're not caught up in it or take responsibility. Yes? Appreciative joy from a sneer enemy of distinguishing appreciative joy from giddiness. Giddiness. Um, I think giddiness. Is a, uh, see, uh, often the uh, one of one of the kind of near enemies, the way it works, is that um, appreciative joy is primarily appreciating someone else's joy. So you have to focus in a certain way on them. Giddiness, the focus is turned to you. I'm, you know, well, this is fun, and I'm kind of excited, and this is a great, you know, and. So, so the, the focus is left the person and you're caught up in your own feelings and get kind of giddy or silly with it. Or That's my understanding. So the same thing with compassion. Um, uh, when, uh, when, when compassion loses sight of your person, then you're focusing on your own distress in, in relationship to the person who's suffering. Then uh, you get caught up in your own distress, then you've turned, they turn the focus inward to yourself. And it, people might see, think it's compassion, but really it's distress. So there's kind of turning towards yourself and becoming self-centered. That's part of it. But uh, you asked the question with such uh, clarity. I'm wondering if there's something behind the question. 
you want to use this? I guess you, you answered my question, but it sort of sparked another question, which was, in the other ones, you can sort of see that the near enemy is not something that you actually want. Yes. And giddiness as a term, I wasn't clear what about it that you don't want. And, I mean, except for, you know, as a term, it has a, a little sort of a frenetic energy that oh. perhaps so, you yeah, don't so like. Maybe, so so, so maybe, maybe uh, uh, by, by saying it's their enemy, maybe we're implying that's bad. Mm-hmm. I suppose giddiness can be fine in and of itself. Um, but it, it's much more agitating, agitated than joy. Mm-hmm. And so because it's a more agitated state, it's also tiring. And it, it involves, it's, it's a little more complicated. It involves a different kind of evaluation or engagement or reactivity. And so in the long term, it's actually quite tiring to be giddy. And joy, uh, there's a variety of different kinds of joy, but joy tends to be much more satisfying to have. And so leaving aside the question of the frenet, you know, the, at the level of agitation and looking just on the level, on the question of feeling it, feeling good inside myself versus feeling good for somebody else's happiness. Right. I'm wondering where just simply feeling good inside yourself regardless of what other people feel, sort of how, how that fits in this, these Brahma-viharas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, the Brahma-viharas can also be directed towards oneself. One can uh, have loving kindness towards oneself, one have compassion for oneself, one have kind of sympathetic joy for oneself. Some people don't allow themselves to feel joy in their successes and the good things in their life and to relax and open up and really take it in and celebrate it and enjoy it. It's nourishing, it's very meaningful. And so uh, it certainly can be directed towards oneself. But there's a different ways of being self-focused. Uh, it's possible to be self-aware in a relaxed, open, generous way and it's possible to do it neurotically. It's possible to do it selfishly, you know. There's a contraction and a tightness around it. And so I think, um, uh, like when we get distressed over suffering, uh, and there's a sense of ego around that, or self around that, uh, that probably that sense of self is a contracted sense of self. If there's compassion is there, there uh, probably the sense of self that's operating is much more relaxed and open, there's not, not locked in around something. So, prob- so I don't know about giddiness, but uh, I can imagine that some giddiness uh, might arise out of an attachment. So I know sometimes people get giddy when there's a kind of a, um, ambivalent, uh, ambivalent, sorry, kind of a, they're seesawing back and forth between two states. Like, like they're kind of attached, but they think they, 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 know they know they're not supposed to be, or they're kind of not attached, but they're about to get attached. And, and so this kind of feels kind of funny and so it's a kind of a, you know it's kind of like bittersweet kind of feeling. So anyway, so there's self-focus, but that's, uh, there can be self-focus which uh, produces suffering, and there can be self uh, self-focus that alleviates suffering. And Buddhism focuses on the developing the latter. Okay, so the way that uh, sympathetic joy works is a meditation practice.
is to gather your attention and your focus of your mind, your mental activity, your feelings, around the wish, that's, uh, is around the image or the thought or memory or of someone who uh, is happy, joyful, accomplished something nice, successful in some nice way, and uh, something's going really well for someone, and so we, we focus on that person and what the, what the quality is that they have. And then um, we see if we can find inside of ourselves the wish, the intention, that that quality in the person, um, the classic wording is, it uh, doesn't diminish. Uh, some people in the West like to say, for positive, say, may it grow and continue. And um, so I don't know, I haven't thought exactly why the difference so much between the two. Uh, there's something uh, very simple about just may it not diminish. May it grow, maybe, who knows whether it's supposed to grow. Or, that's something more complicated. And um, so some people will say the phrase, may it, you know, may it grow, may, may your happiness continue. May it, some people will say, may your happiness or your joy not diminish. And, um, but they kind of, you know, it's kind of a well-wishing. And it's independent of whether in the real world, whether it goes up or down or diminishes or increases because, you know, that's a little bit out of your control. But it's a kind of, a kind of a, a well-wishing um, that it's the, it's the well-wishing of our heart that's the point. Um, not necessarily whether the person, you know, what happens to the person. It's, for example, if someone is sick, um, we can have a lot of well-wishing for them. Uh, independent of whether their sickness is getting better or worse, the well-wishing is there. And just the fact that there's well-wishing is a beautiful thing. It's maybe even sometimes helpful, and they know that. So here, uh, the idea is to focus more on that well-wishing of, of uh, appreciative joy, of wishing it to continue or not diminish. Um, it comes along with um, uh, a little bit delighting in the good, good, good experience, the good fortune of this person. So we want to come to light. So it takes, for me at least, it takes a little bit of relaxing, a little bit of delighting, taking it in. And then taking it in then uh, may it continue, may it not diminish. The classic way of doing it is to think of some person first for whom it's uh, easy to feel a lot of appreciative joy, easy to feel their joy, to appreciate their joy, their success, and easy for you to kind of say, may it continue, you just want it to continue. And uh, the classic texts say that uh, you should choose someone for whom you think about it, think about them, um, uh, it's easy for you to smile. So I don't know if that works for you. But, um, and it could be someone you know. It could be someone you don't know. Some, you know. A lot of Buddhists I know choose the Dalai Lama. They never met him. But something about uh, what's come through uh, about him just makes them you really feel good about him and just kind of opens their hearts. So, so wherever, it, wherever it might be for you that it's meaningful. So take a comfortable meditation posture. Sitting upright, take a few long, slow, deep breaths. And as you exhale, kind of let things settle for you. Let some of your thoughts and concerns maybe just fall off.
And then take a few moments to, in a very broad way, becoming aware of how you're feeling, feeling in your body, physically, feeling in your heart, in your mind. But let the awareness be very broad, expansive, allowing, open. So there's lots of space for how you are. Almost as if your body is mostly filled with space. Broad, expansive, open as if your beautiful heart is mostly wonderfully open space. And whatever happens within that space is okay. And then bring to mind a person who's strikes you as a as a happy person or a joyful person, someone perhaps who you can remember their smile or their delight in their eyes, someone who you're thinking about who maybe had some wonderful thing, fortune, or things are going well, and it seems to be some kind of some kind of happiness or joy. It doesn't have to be that strong, but happiness, joy that is meaningful for you to experience, to be with, to see. Could be of a relative, you're happy that they have this. They don't have to have they don't have to have it all the time, but maybe you just remember sometime when they had it. They have this capacity. If you visualize, you can imagine their face <clears throat> when this person is happy or delighted, joyful. And if it's available to you in sensing or remembering their joy, their happiness, let that, take that into your heart, into your, into your space of your awareness, receptively, appreciatively. So there's some kind of inner delight, their joy, inner appreciation. How wonderful it is that this person should be this way. Keeping in mind this person, their capacity for joy and happiness, their good fortune, either wordlessly or with simple phrases, offer them your good wishes. May your joy continue. May your good fortune continue.
when people are doing sympathetic joy practice connect more to the mental wish for their well-being. Some people connect more to a feeling of openness or warmth in their heart or the joy, sharing in the joy. Different ways of doing it. Do it your way, but keep the focus on it, on the person and your well-wishing for them. May their joy continue. Sometimes it can help to think of the person in different circumstances so it keeps their image or their presence more active for you. Allow yourself to take in the good qualities of that person. Take in how you care for them. And keeping the focus on them. Send out the wish. May this person's good fortune continue. May their joy continue. As you appreciate their fortune, appreciate their joy. Appreciation takes a form simple, wishing it to continue. Let their breathing gently massage the joy or the appreciation or the good wishes, perhaps breathing through the heart, breathing in and out your goodwill.
And then in the last couple of minutes of the sitting, turn your thoughts, your attention to yourself. And most people are a mixed bag of goods. But as you're sitting here, turn and see if you can focus your attention on what about yourself that you can appreciate. Your good qualities, your capacity for happiness and joy, for love, caring, for gratitude. <coughs> Let your imagination turn towards yourself and imagine that parts of yourself or see or sense or remind yourself of that corner of yourself that you can appreciate and value. And take let your appreciative joy practice focus on that. May this quality continue. May this part of me grow and develop. May, may my goodness nourish me. Seeing if there can be a simple appreciation of these qualities in yourself. sitting, you can take a couple of deep breaths. So, um, in the centuries after the Buddha, they formulated a system of thought called the Abhidharma, Abhidharma, which is kind of sometimes called Buddhist psychology, where they went into great detail to divide up the different kinds of consciousnesses and different qualities, activities of the mind, and how they work together. And, and the those qualities of mind, activities of mind, which tend to cause suffering, produce suffering, fit under the category called the unskillful. So greed and hate, and they're not said to be bad or evil, just unskillful, which in the shorthand, I think, uh, 
means not helpful. And then with the, with the more positive psychology sides, they don't call the skillful or the helpful. The word that's used for that, it's called sobana. Sobana means beautiful. And appreciative joy is, in, is listed as one of those beautiful qualities of mind. So may that beauty of this appreciative joy be uh, something that you comes forth more frequently over the next month. And um, may you take this class here today to leave here and hopefully um, be a little bit more inclined to appreciate people and enjoy them and feel the joy of others and take a time to really appreciate it, celebrate it, rejoice in uh, joy and happiness and well-being and... and um, and think of yourself as nourishing others as you appreciate their joy, supporting them. So thank you for today. So in about a month, we'll meet for the next class. We'll do the sympathetic joy thing again. And, um, and then we'll do a couple of classes on equanimity. Um, as, a, as a custom here at IMC, we usually ask for about seven so people to stay behind to tidy up. It takes about 10 minutes or so to clean the bathrooms and the kitchen and stuff. And People are eating in the, li- in the hall there, so we need to sweep it. Um, so and are you managing? So are there uh, seven or eight people who will stay a few minutes today? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Great. So um, Judy there, you can meet with her and she can coordinate a little bit so you're not all in the same bathroom at the same time. And uh, so thank you for today.